What's up, church planners, pastors, and disciple makers? My name is Jared Huntley, coming to you from Washington, D.C., and I'm with my good friend Logan Douglas, who's coming to you from Reykjavik, Iceland. You are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by ordinary church planters that exists to encourage and equip other church planters and pastors to make disciples in hard places. Logan, what's going on, man? Man, uh, not too much today. Today's been kind of a chill day, but it's been an interesting day because we're getting, you know, really close to having our kind of covenanting service in the midst of COVID wave three here in Iceland. And so uh, I spent uh, a lot of time today combing through a lot of articles from Icelandic news sources trying to figure out what actually is regulations and guidance and uh, just been trying to figure out uh, what will it be like once we plant um, in our current situation. So, you know, fun stuff. Uh, But other than that, my wife and I went on a really nice walk and got to enjoy uh, the Icelandic fall. Uh, I was corrected by a Icelandic core team member who said, hey, recently you said that Iceland doesn't have a fall, but we do. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Is, Is it like an official fall? And she goes, no, officially we only have winter and summer. But there is a fall. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, then I, I take your word for it. There is a fall. And so, yeah, that's what's going on with me. Well, how about, how about you? Icelandic fall seems a lot like winter to me when I look at the temperature and weather. But, you know, I'm just an American. What do I know? <laughs> I mean, it is 37 degrees, um, but it was yeah. really nice. I walked around in shorts. I'm kind of known uh, in certain circles as the tattooed American who wears shorts. And so, you know. Got to keep up the image. Well, you are a beast, my friend. So I <laughs> I would not be wearing shorts. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it does seem like like the uh, the COVID stuff is a moving target for you guys because of the you know it comes in waves. So I know that's got to be hard to keep up with. And we'll definitely be praying for y'all as you're kind of navigating all of that. Thankfully, it's been kind of stable. Like we're still you know there's still restrictions in DC, but for the most part, it hasn't changed recently, which has been nice. So at least we're kind of like, okay, we know what we're working with, so we can kind of go with it. So yeah, well, well, man, we've got a, a really special guest on today, and uh, we're pretty excited to welcome Matt Hess back into the trenches. So if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know, back before uh, Logan joined me, Matt was uh, the co-host of In the Trenches with me. Uh, Matt and I worked together up in Canada for, uh, for I was there for four and a half years. Matt's been there for a good bit longer. Matt, you've uh, been there for over eight years now. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So Matt's been over there in the Toronto, Ontario region for over eight years. Uh, unfortunately, he's from Oklahoma and he cheers for the Sooners, but thankfully God's grace is enough and covers even sins like that. Uh, so we, we don't hold that yeah. against him, but yeah, it is pretty unfortunate that he's from Oklahoma. So Matt, uh, welcome back in the trenches. Does it feel like coming home after being gone for a long time? <laughs> Does it feel like coming home? <laughs> yes, it does. It feels like I'm coming home. That's good. Yes. Back in the trenches. Back where you belong, man. Back, back where I belong. Back in the trenches. Yeah, it's good to I see you. I have a question. I'm, I'm jumping in on this. Did, where did you go to undergrad, Matt? Did you go to OBU or did you or did you go to Oklahoma and you're a Sooner? 
No, I went to a bunch of different places, brother. I uh, I was in the Marine Corps, so I, I did a lot of my stuff in uh, Northern Virginia, Northern Virginia Community College, Park University. It's a liberal arts university out of Parkville, Missouri. Um, and they had a campus. They did some on-base type or just off-base of stuff. Um, and then I ended up finishing up online at Luther Rice University. It's a Bible college outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, hoorah. Yeah. Yeah. Were you in the Marine Corps, Logan? No, I was in the Army. Oh, okay. Yeah, but my, awesome. my, so my father, I'm a generation war vet. And so my grandfather was um, Army in World War II, but then my father was Marine Corps in Vietnam. And then I went Army uh, and served in Iraq. So, uh, but have a strong love and appreciation for the Marine Corps. As a matter of fact, when I was doing my residency with Pillar Church there in Dumfries, I had an opportunity to go to the basic um, course or the basic school TBS for uh, freshly graduated Marine Marine lieutenants and do a Bible study there on the Quantico Strap, Stafford um, base. And so yeah. love me some Marines. That's awesome, man. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. There's a lot of, a lot of ties, you know, Matt spent time uh, up here in Northern Virginia. Logan spent time here in Northern Virginia and I'm here kind of in this area, I actually live in Northern Virginia, but you know, our church is right there in DC. So, uh, it's kind of cool. All the, all the connections that are there. So, uh, well, Matt, how are things going up there in Canada? I know that you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is, uh, you know, the lockdown measures have been pretty you know, pretty strong uh, up in Canada is one way to put it. And, you know, it's different all throughout the country. Every, you know, church planters and pastors that are listening, some of you, you know, are, it's pretty much like things are back to back open and normal and you just have to wear some masks and others are still not even able to meet. I know that's been the case up there in Canada where largely it's been difficult to even meet at all. Uh, and you guys are now heading into the winter where it's going to be impossible to do outdoor meetings. And so I know that there's some challenges with that. So, uh, Man, what's the current status right now up there for you guys? Yeah, so it's it's basically been, uh, yeah, it has been challenging in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it's kind of been all over the map. We've primarily been closed down, uh, you know, as, as terms as far as gathering goes for, you know, multiple months. When it started to open back up, there was just a lot of restrictions in place. And so part of those challenges, of course, you know, uh, you plan it out of our network. So, we, you know, we're all meeting schools. And, um, and so, you know, the schools, the school boards here, uh, Toronto Catholic School Board, Durham District School Board, uh, Toronto School Board, none of them are renting facilities for 2021 is what they've told us. And so oh, they're not for issuing... next year. Yeah. Well, that's what we're hearing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, uh, they're not issuing permits. Uh, and, and so we're kind of all, you know, when that took place, we all were kind of scattered and, and, uh, trying to figure out what to do. So, most of our churches had to go online. We didn't have any, you know, because even our in-home, even our in-home gatherings have been really restricted and um, they're, they're back to like 10 in-home. And so it's, um, you know, and they're, it's greatly encouraging not to be outside of your social circle and, and all those things. And so what we started doing uh, pretty, pretty early on was meeting in a park um, right next to the school that we meet at um, typically at Pickering um, and our other churches in our, in our micro network, they, uh, started doing pretty much the same thing, going outdoors in people's backyards, some in homes, multiple homes, those kinds of things. So yeah, it's been challenging for sure. 
Yeah. And so uh, kind of what's your what's your plan heading into the winter right now? Or you may maybe that's something you don't even you haven't figured out yet. But what are you guys thinking? What are you hearing from other planters there in the area? So we're hearing everything, you know, in our network. I mean, guys are, are renting from uh, banquet halls because 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 of COVID banquet halls are more uh, a little bit more eager to give rates and prices and stuff like that. Um, so we're here, you know, we, we have guys doing that and renting from other churches, if that's available in their communities, some are doing that. Um, that th- those are the options that we're looking at at Pickering. We're looking at leasing. Um, you know, we've been talking about, um, establishing a multiplication center for the past several years. And so we're praying if this is really the time and, um, well, I'm sure we'll get more into this, but, you know, we've been talking about how we cooperate more as a network. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, the, the bones already in place. There's the, you know, we've been doing that already for, you know, six, seven years, really since we started and, um, maybe just bringing a little bit more formality to how we do that in some different ways and what that could look like. So, yeah, absolutely. yeah. just so- trying to listen to the spirit and, uh, just really be sensitive right now to where the spirit is guiding and leading and, and, uh, what, what he wants us to do, um, you know, is really hungry and desperate for his wisdom and discernment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whenever, whenever you go that long without even being able to gather, you know, physically together as a congregation, it's hard, right? It puts a strain on the congregation and, um, you know, it can, you know, it can be as tough as a, as a church planter and as a pastor. So, uh, what have you been like learning just about, <laughs> about God and about, uh, you know, like how to continue to, Live on mission because the reality is, is that you're in a place where still 98% of the people, you know, are, you know, not followers of Christ at least. Right. And so what does mission look like in this context and what are you kind of learning about God and how he works through this, you know, last eight months or so? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) a ton, you know, uh, just, I think a couple of highlights for, for me personally and, and for the ministries that I lead is, um, you know, nothing can stop the movement of God, like nothing. So a virus or people, surely not people, you know, uh, restrictions, none of that hinders God. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the, the theological underpinnings there is the foundation that God's sovereign and in control. We we're never, nothing can thwart his plans. Um, so that, that's the first thing that, you know, we, we've learned. The second thing I would say is like, you know, we, we've talked about this, Jared, so many times, you know, uh, over the years, but, you know, I've, I've always had a burden for, um, you know, just the apathy in the church and, uh, in the churches that, that I've led and, and the ministries that I lead. And you can't ever really do anything about that. You know, there's, uh, Jesus told the disciples, I mean, you know, what do we do with the wheat and the chaff? What, do, or what do you, what do you do with the, uh, you know, the, the, the weeds and, and, and the crop and they grow up together, you know, and Jesus said, leave them alone. I'm going to separate all. And I, but I think what this thing has done is that it has separated from some, some of the people who are just kind of playing around with God or kind of just playing around with church and maybe whatever that might be. And then the people who are genuinely seeking after the heart of God and hungering and thirsting for righteousness. That's who we really want to pour into anyways. Yeah. And it's not that the people who are kind of on the periphery, 
it's not that we don't love them. It's not that we don't care for them. It's not that we don't want to be here for them. But ultimately, you can only pastor the people in, that's in front of you. Um, and and we, 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 we hope, we wish that that would be physical as much as we can, can have. But given the circumstances, sometimes that's just not the case. Um, but what you can do is you can invest in love and, and pastor those people um, that are tracking with you. And, you know, it, it, it might look bigger, it might look smaller, but all you can do is lead the people that's in front, in front of you at the time. And so we've learned, we've learned that. And then I would just say prayer, you know, the, um, just the, the power of prayer and the importance of prayer. God's had me on that journey for a couple of years now. And, um, I, I just, I just think that, uh, you know, Christ, Christ says it, right. I mean, he doesn't say my house will be called a house of whatever else that we like, whatever consumer driven ministry that we're, we, we prefer, but he says it'll be called a house of prayer. And so I think this is a this has been a re- reminder to recalibrate and to focus on on those things on prayer, um, you know. And then thirdly, I would just say, uh, you know, how we share the gospel, how we do evangelism. I've never been, you know, me well. Um, I've never been a huge fan. People think because uh, of my personality that you know I'm this guy that's going to walk with somebody for 13 years before I share the gospel with them. And, um, that's just not ever been my heart. It's never been our, 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 our methodology. So you have to walk with people who will allow you to walk with them and who are curious about the gospel and you want those people in your life. But I think that what this thing has done is it's reminded myself personally and the churches that we lead, the ministries that we're a part of is that, you know, time on this earth is very short. And so we've got to get Jesus to people as quickly as possible. Hmm. And, uh, you know, just so, you know, we, 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 we start gospel conversations with, you know, do you believe in God? Do you believe in an, an, an afterlife? You and I were texting about this the other day. So just, those are the three things that kind of stick out to me though. That's awesome to hear. So, and to recap, I mean, think about how important community and prayer and evangelism are. That you know, it's so easy when things are not paused because of a pandemic. We become very program driven. We become very ambitious in the next task, the next event, and some of those things can get really pushed to the side. But those are the main things that that Christ has said these kind of ordinary means yeah. of, of grace that, that enriches uh, the relationships we have with him and the relationships we have with others, not only those in our churches, but those uh, neighbors and friends that we have. Uh, and Matt, yeah. I want to ask you, because you mentioned your micro network, how important has it been for the church planters that you work with to have other church planters and other people that they can go to, um, to not only maybe just be very open about the things they're, they're struggling with and frustrations, but also with helps about how they're, you know, maybe someone in the network is navigating a certain issue such as not having a building and, and things like that. Like, can you speak to that, how, how that's been helpful and in what ways that's been helpful? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Um, I, 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 you know, I think that, you know, we, we communicate all the time. So we, we do that primarily through a WhatsApp group. And so, you know, um, 
so throughout this whole thing, you know, we, we were always talking, bouncing, sharing ideas, sharing thoughts, those kinds of things. And then one-on-one just checking in with guys, checking in with leaders. And then for me as the director of our network, you know, I learned a long time ago that eventually, you know, I, I can't have my hands in everything. I, I, you know, so what, what I try to do is I try to be a pastor to pastors. And so, um, so some guys want that really in depth. Other guys have that more locally. So I'm just kind of here as a sounding board or whatever that may be. But it's so important. You know, I just, the reason why I was running a few minutes late to this, um, to this is because I was on a, uh, uh, we had our first virtual vision tour for our city. And uh, they were just talking about the, the value and the importance of a micro network in our regions. And in a place this big, it's so important to have. And that's a strategy that we're really going after as a city is to have micro networks throughout our entire region of, you know, over 7 million people um, where it's a huge, huge city. And so we need that. And um, through God's grace, before this pandemic, uh, we, that was already established on the East end um, of the city. And so um, it's been really good to, to have. And, and we're even, we're even praying and, and talking to other planters that have in some cases are just starting, but in other cases have been around for years and they don't have that. And they're, they're in need of that. And so, um, yeah, to, to answer your question, I, I think to have it's, we're not after uniformity, you know, we're not after unity is not always uniformity. And so our churches, even in the fellowships, they look different in some capacity. There's different passions because there's different leaders, but what I love is that we're all in it together. So our, our vision is to help write new stories of kingdom expansion. And um, so, yeah, that, that closeness and, and care for one another is so important, especially in the midst of this pandemic. And um, just as an example, you know, like we share prayer guides, uh, you know, uh, the other night, um, uh, Jared, Jared and I, along with one of our planners here in Toronto, went through a, um, a prayer cohort coaching cohort. It was amazing, man. It was so good. It's really changed the way I lead prayer corporately through scripture. Um, but I shared that on that WhatsApp group and one of our planners, one of our pastors was like, man, thank you so much. Um, and I usually don't share everyone every week, but they said, Oh, thank you so much. I'm using this tonight. I used it tonight. I used this one that you shared. And so just some of that, you know, sharing resources, those kinds of things, it's been really good, especially in the midst of this pandemic because it can feel very alone. So if you're already a church of like 25 or 30, when you're normally meeting on a Sunday morning, we all know that we've lost some of those people when you go online and then it can feel really discouraging, you know, if you're not looking at it the right way. So to be a part of a bigger family, Logan, to answer your question, it just, it does so much good for your soul. Praise God. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, touching on something you said, Matt, I think that having, you know, smaller expressions of church, churches, uh, you know, but connected together in micro networks is really important. One of the things that's been interesting for me to observe, just as an observer of, uh, you know, what's happened to the church and churches in North America throughout the pandemic is that uh, the larger churches have been hurting a lot more than smaller, uh, more uh, agile churches. Um, you know, like one of the, the, there's some reasons that are just practical for that. Like for example, you know, a church like ours, for example, you know, of around, you know, a hundred people, uh, it's not 
we can meet under the restrictions in DC, uh, you know, with a hundred people, but, uh, you know, a larger church of a thousand, uh, you know, can't, uh, they're not able to gather their entire church body. And so they're having to think through really tough questions about like, what does this look like for us? You know, how do we gather? We can't gather everybody at once. It's not feasible to do five services and, you know, many yeah. churches are convictionally do not want to have multiple services. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, uh, whenever you've got this big Titanic of a, you know, of a ministry, it can be really tough to weather something like this, right? This is why I think church planting is so important and can, you know, having a culture of disciple making where you're constantly producing new leaders and you're not dependent on, you know, programs and things like that, that can get shut down by things like a pandemic. Um, you know, one of the things that pandemics can't shut down is they can't shut down evangelism. It can't shut down discipleship. It can't shut down leadership development. It, it can't shut down prayer, you know, or any of those things. Right. And, uh, I, I really think that, you know, the pandemic in a lot of ways is like a hard lesson for a lot of us, but it's been like a refiner's fire, uh, in a lot of ways too, like for churches as a whole. And then just for, you know, Christians individually, I think. And, you know, and I agree with you, man. I think it, there's a lot of separating of the, the wheat and the chaff, uh, going on as well. So. Yeah. And I think, I think Jerry, we have to, we have to keep asking that age old question. What is a church? Mm. And, um, and, and so if a church is X amount of people, if a church is X amount of money, if a church is X amount of programs and, and ministry offerings, then you're, you're going down a path that is very slippery. Um, and, and you're going down something that can be stopped to be frank, it can be stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to go back to that question, you know, what is a church? How, how do we define church? What does that look like? And it's a big hit to a lot of people's egos. Um, it's a big hit to a lot of people's theology and all those kinds of things. So I think another great benefit of, of this pandemic is, has been to take a step back and ask some of those really tough questions. You know, what am I doing with my life? Mm. You know, what am I doing with my life? And um, even church planters, you know, and uh, there, what, what happens when you can't be busy? You know, what, what do we really, do we really believe that if we prayed for an hour versus knocking on doors for an hour versus preaching a sermon for an hour, whatever it may be, do we really believe that prayer will change things? Do we really believe that? Or is that just something that we kind of say, mm. you know, so, so, so when we can't be quote unquote busy for God, what does it look like to abide and rest in God? Mm-hmm. You know? And so that, that, that's brought us back. We, we've had to recalibrate and we say things like, uh, Yes, I believe in John fifteen five. You know, I'm Jesus says, "I am the vine; you're the branches." Mm-hmm. And uh, we must abide in Him to bear great fruit. And apart from Him, it doesn't say we can do a few things. It doesn't say we can do something. It says we can do nothing. I don't know if we really believe that, though, mm-hmm. in North America. I don't. I don't know if we're really. I don't know if we really are are sure about that. Um, so yeah, so just some. Let me kind of like, I want to follow up on something you just said. So you talked about, you know, like when we're not busy, you know, like what do we do? And, and my, just again, this is from my observation and I think 
and I think I've felt this temptation too, has been we, instead of going, oh, okay, COVID has stripped away all these things that we used to do, so let's pray. I think the temptation is to find other things to be busy with. Like, okay, now I'm going to get busy with making an excellent online production. And I'm seeing guys that'll just, I mean, they work so hard at really making this amazing, you know, online service and, you know, that at the end of the day, it really can't compete with the Hill songs of the world and stuff like that anyways, because they don't have enough resources or money or talent to do it. Um, but I, I just, I'm feeling that, that despite the pandemic, that there's a temptation for guys to still like try to fill that void with being busy with something else. Okay. Maybe I'm not busy with doing, you know, trunk or treat this year, but I'm going to be busy with doing, you know, an online thing or whatever. So like, how do you, I don't, I don't know. What would you say to guys that are, you know, kind of feeling pulled by that temptation? You know, Jesus hasn't called me to do anything. He hasn't called me to plant churches or, or, you know, we say Christ, God has called me to make disciples. Christ has commanded us to rest in him. Jesus has called us to abide in him. And theologically, Jesus does that work in power through us. And so the reason why we keep on, the, the reason why like brothers in, you know, uh, China or South Korea or North Korea or where India, the reason why they can cry out and pray together for, for six, seven, eight hours is because they have the spirits anointing and power in them. And, and then God does far more um, exceedingly immeasurably than, than they could think or imagine. We, we, we put that verse on a coffee mug, mm. you know, for a new min- ministry that we're launching but I don't know if we really believe the, the 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 theological undergirding of the Spirit working in and through God's chosen people. You know, you know what I mean. So, like, I, I I think when we talk about like doing for God, we have to be so careful. We have to be so careful mm-hmm. because do I need the Spirit to fill me and to anoint me as I stand up to preach to five thousand people? Yes. Do I need the spirit to anoint me and fill me as I stand up to preach to 50 people? Yes. Do I need the spirit of God to fill me and anoint me as I teach my nine-year-old daughter uh, a lesson about math? Well, I really need that because I'm so bad at math. But like I I need – we are needy people, man. We need Mm -hmm. the spirit of God in such an immeasurable way. So I I think that that – I, I, I'm going to get to your question. I actually think that desire to want to do is so rooted in identity of accomplishment and self in flesh that we don't even realize hmm. what we're doing. That So it's, it's like the church planner that says, well, like God loves me when I do this. He doesn't love me when I don't do that. No, God loves you. Like you, you, you've been blood bought, you're forgiven, you're born again. He loves you. Whether you plant a church that is super successful or whatever, God loves you. You know, Logan, in the midst of what you guys are doing in Iceland, God loves you. It doesn't matter if you become whatever you think you're going to become once you guys launch or whatever it may be. God loves you. And so I, I think that desire to want to be doing I think actually it's so rooted in pride and, uh, and what we've been taught, especially in North America and especially in the United States of America 
to be successful and be accomplished and all those kinds of things. Mm. I think it's really important. The greatest leader I've ever known is Jesus Christ. And he pastored 12 people. <laughs> so, you know, you know, I mean, so when we think about that, when we think about that, I mean, that's, that's, that, 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 that keeps me very humble. Yeah. So I do think we have to work for the kingdom, but the spirit has to lead that, fuel that and guide that. And I think that's what we make so many poor decisions and everything else. When we just start, yeah. I'm so going to do this, I'm going to do that. You know, so I, well, so I, I, I hear what you're saying about, you know, like we, like you said earlier, like we take, you know, uh, you know, a verse, uh, you know, like, I forget what verse you use, but we put it on a coffee mug, right? Where we're going to, you know, we want to be on our faces, on our knees, you know, crying out to God, desperate for him to move. And, you know, we put it on a coffee mug, but, you know, meanwhile, you know, there's believers in China and, you know, that are literally on their faces for, you know, six hours, believing that God actually answers prayer. So I guess like, but I think we know that, like there've been books written, there, there are people who say that, like I talk to people who believe the same thing and yet nothing actually changes, I feel like a lot of times, like think so like what needs to happen for the shift to actually happen because we continue to put it on coffee mugs and not really make that shift. And I'm not, I don't know, like, what do you, what do you think the reason is for that? Yeah, man. Um, it's, it's the same thing. I have to tell myself every single day I have to die. We, a, a call to Christ is a call to death. A call to Christ is a call to death. And, um, you, you know, I don't know if we really believe that, Jared. I, I don't know if we really, the old man has gone, the new man has come. Like, I, I don't, and, and so people, we just now went, we just now went down to the States for a couple of weeks for a vacation. And, and it was so good to see family and friends. And every single time we go down, you know, people say, well, when do you think you'll come back to, uh, to, the, to the States? Or, or are you going to do this? Or are you going to do that? And, you know, they frame the question, like I have, a say in the matter. <laughs> they, 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 they frame the question about my life as if it's mine mm. and it's not my life. It's not my life. And so if it's not my life, then I don't get to make those decisions. Christ makes those decisions. And then the, the next logical question is, well, well, how do you, and it's, it's what you and I've talked about for since the day I met, we've met each other you know, that we've been on this journey, what does it look like to allow the Holy Spirit of God to control you, to consume you, to fill you, to anoint you? And every single day, that flesh rears its ugly head and tries to control and lead in God. And and um, we have to die again. We have to die again. We have to stop. We have to pause. We have to yield back to the authority of Christ in us. And the dangerous part is when we're not doing that, we can go down this path that can look very successful or that can look by the world standards. Um, so yeah, I think to answer your question, we have to keep on going back to that every single day, Yeah, you know, every single day. That's good. So as you're saying all this, Matt, um, one being from 
the South from Mississippi, uh, I kept thinking to myself this phrase that I heard of uh, that'll preach because it's <laughs> like, amen. Um, and then I'm also saying, ouch, because you are like, I'm being convicted as you're saying this because I'm so when COVID hit, so I did 12 years in the army and when I became a Christian, it was midway through my military career. And I went to seminary as a four month old Christian, which I'm not advising necessarily people to do, uh, you know, go talk to your pastor. Um, but, uh, and I started going on mission trips and I, I had a very Pauline like conversion was preaching as a, as a one-year-old Christian and all these things. And it was like fast pace. And I, I ended up at one point I was, active duty military, bivocational young adult pastor, starting a young adult ministry. And I was first year marriage and in seminary and like life was busy. Yeah. And when COVID hit, so this is six years later from become or seven years later from becoming a Christian. This is four years from the point where I was doing all of that all at once and about a year and a half removed from the military. It took COVID for me to really be confronted with how addicted I was to achievement and to being the guy who said yes to everything and did everything with excellence and had all the plates spinning. Like I didn't, you know, there's this thing called hurry sickness. Like I I didn't understand how uncomfortable I was at quiet. And one of the things upon just really doing some soul searching or what I've been telling people is I'm just going through an identity crisis and trying to find my identity, knowing that I'm God's kid, knowing that I'm Christ's brother. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know that theologically, but it's like, yeah, but do you live in it? Like, does that actually bear any fruit in your lives or how are you acting? Are you acting like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know that, but I'm still, you know, uh, yeah. And, and, I was not really living in that. And it was evidence in the fact that if there was time needing to be managed, spent, stewarded, sacrificed, it would rarely go to prayer. It would rarely go to time in the word. It would most all the time go to Mm -hmm. an event or a meeting, a phone call, a video call, something that was me doing and not me resting. Uh, and I recently read in Paul David Tripp's um, New Morning Mercies devotional, this great quote that said, so God's grace is out to kill you. <laughs> like it, it, It's like it's out to kill you and, and make you understand you're dying to self and you're living for God's glory. You're living for, for Christ and his kingdom. Uh, and this is, I mean, what you're saying, I'm experiencing and even today when with my wife, it would have been absurd to me a year ago to just enjoy a nice leisurely stroll with my wife because mm-hmm. I would have been thinking about, you know, where we come from church planning and I've got to go and do all of these things. And I've got to send these emails and these messages. And I got to talk to these supporters and da, 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 da. And it's like, but my wife's my primary ministry on earth, according to God. Mm-hmm. And if I don't invest in her and our marriage, and if I, and that's not an overflow of my relationship with God, then everything is just flesh and skill and gifting. And it's not spirit led spirit field. It's just me doing it and it won't yield eternal fruit. And I'm risking burning out. Yes. 
Well, what you said, Logan, is so powerful just now towards the tail end of that sentence when you said, it's just me doing it. Because I am convinced that there is so much going on today that is robed in spirituality, Mm -hmm. but it's actually just personality. It's actually just flesh. And see, that that is such a dangerous, dangerous thing Um, because to to your point, it won't advance the kingdom. You know, it's going to burn up. It, It won't do any good. And then, that makes our life a waste. You know, we only get one shot at this thing. Um, and, and so that's so important, man, what you said. And, and, you know, and I, and I pray that your listeners really hear that word because it's so important. You know, at the end of the day, do we want people say, man, at the end of the day at my funeral, I don't want people saying, Oh, that guy had a great personality or that guy was really nice. or that guy did this. And I want them to talk about Jesus. I want them to say, man, that guy was so in love with Christ and everywhere he went and all that he did, it was all about the glory of Jesus. That's what we want our lives to be defined by. And so, so what the the gifts that God gives to us to preach his word or to be winsome or whatever it may be, if we, all of that has to be through the power and through the anointing of the spirit or it's just in flesh. It's just in personality. It's, it's in, and, and I, I can go be a CEO. I'm going to make a lot of money and do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the world's doing that. There's people in the world doing that. And that's why the gospel is, is foolishness to those who are perishing because the spirit hasn't broken up that hard soil in their heart to show them what we know and we know it and we don't do it. And, and so we just have to be so careful because we live for Jesus, but we can, to your point, we can, we can fall into that trap of just wanting, you know, to work and to, and to be accomplished and all these kinds of things. So yeah, it's a good, great word, man. Mm. And I was, uh, I, this past Sunday, I preached a sermon out of John eight and it was, you know, Jesus says in John eight thirty one, if you, if you, uh, abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he had just said this to a bunch of people who believed in him, um, after he had been, you know, preaching and, and, um, basically by the end of the chapter, these people end up trying to stone him. Um, you know, these quote unquote believers. And so I was, I was talking about, you know, what distinguishes a, a true disciple of Christ from one who's not a true disciple of Christ. And, you know, like talked about abiding in his word. And, and one of the passages that I, uh, that I, you know, referred to in this, uh, sermon was revelation three because we've been reading through revelation and our bible our church's bible reading plan and the church in sardis jesus writes this in revelation three two he says i know your works you have the reputation of being alive but you are dead wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die for i have not not found your works complete in the sight of my god remember then what you received and heard keep it and repent 
if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. And I was just thinking about that this week and thinking, man, oh man, like, is there a more apt description <laughs> to me of like American Christianity of you have the, the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. But then he says in verse four, he says, yet you have, you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. And yeah. I'm just like, man, that's the hope though, is that like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there that has the reputation of being alive, but it's dead. But there's also a lot of stuff that's not dead. There's a lot, there are churches out there that are faithful. There are pastors and church planters out there who love the Lord, who are fighting the, the battle of the flesh, who desire to walk by the spirit, who are grieved by their, their sin and grieved by, you know, the fact that we get distracted. And I just think that like, it's just a, a, an encouragement to me to like, man, don't, let's not soil our garments. Let's walk with Jesus. Um, you know, like let's, you know, like, yeah, just repent of any dead works and, you know, not have the reputation of being alive, but actually be alive by like, if we've got to like strip down programs and cut a bunch of stuff out of our schedule so that we can be with Jesus more. Like I, I really think that's the best thing that we could do. And, if that's, you know, and man, I sure hope that we learn that lesson from COVID because I think God's given us an opportunity yeah. to learn it. And if we miss, if we pass it up, like, gosh, like when will we ever learn that lesson? You know, if, if not now. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think we're being given, we've been given an incredible gift, you know, to, to recalibrate, to reset. Yep. And I think for us as leaders, um, you know, we need the spirit's direction. You know, we need his leadership like never before, because, um, you know, I, I, I tell you, I was talking to a group of, uh, um, talking to a group of guys, uh, a group of church planners, uh, when all this stuff first hit. And, um, I think I even said this in a sermon or something like that, but, you know, I, I think the temptation is going to be to, you know, um, pour out new wine into old wine skins. Mm. Um, and, and I think that we're, we're when, like if they, it, most church planners, if they, if they said, gave us the green light tomorrow, most people, we'd go right back to everything we were doing right back yep. with no real evaluation. And see, we, we, we do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, church planners are like anybody else. We don't like confrontation. And, and, I, and, and, you know, it's like the old saying goes, you know, like ministry would be awesome if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> and so when you start to have to say, we're not going to do that no more, you get people that get upset and they say, well, why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we do that? Or why aren't we doing this or, or whatever it may be? So, so that's the first reason, you know, we go back to, and then the second reason is, is because we can do it. That's the whole point of what we're talking about. We've been trained a certain way. We've been taught a certain way. We've done ministry a certain way. I've been in ministry for 20 years and you do what you know how to do. And so that when, 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 when the spirit is leading, it's not always, how many examples do we have in scripture where guys, I mean, look, look at, look at the, look at the disciples up until the cross, they kept waiting for Christ to, 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 to just pull out the sword, you know? I mean, it, 
how many times we see in scripture where, where people think it's going to go one way, but they have no clue what God's trying to do. You know, we see in the Old Testament with the prophets and, and some people repented. And to your point, Jared, they repented and they turned, but then others thought it was going this way. And so we would go right back to the way things were because we can do it because we can do it. We can, we know how to do that. But what this thing has caused is it's, it's showed us just how we're not in control. You know, we're, we're not, we can be, our systems or programs or whatever, it can be pulled just like that. And then what? And I think that's kind of what is before us right now. We're kind of just stripped bare and we're trying to kind of figure out, you know, wow. Okay. You know, what does this really look like? So good. That's so good. And I, I love how you said, you know, a lot of this stuff is wood, hay, stubble. You know, it, it's when, when you think of what a church is, you know, even that question, it's similar to, I think, the A.W. Tozer question when you, you know, uh, who you think of when someone says, who is God? Or the answer that yeah. comes to your mind of when someone asks you, who, who is God is, is the most important thing that you know or that you would articulate. Well, for church planters, that's something that we need to truly understand is according to God's design and according to Christ's command, according to God's word, what is a church? Mm. And it is a blood bought people yeah. that are living in this love, this love fueled, grace fueled, spirit fueled, spirit fueled community, these relationships that are otherworldly, that are kingdom, that point yeah. to Christ ruling and reigning as the king of this new kingdom. And we're ambassadors, we're, we're missionaries. And so, and, and, you know, I, I've been thinking recently about this Redeemer City Church, Lord willing, will be planted and kind of how do I want us to be known? And uh, the verse, the verses that keep coming to my mind are John 13, 34 and 35, that a new command I give to you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, they will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Not by this, your programs, your theological acumen, your... um, you know, your seating capacity, even your baptism. This is like, there's something about the people you have that this, this increasing fruitfulness that only comes from the spirit, this increasing transforming grace of becoming more like Jesus in all aspects of life. So, so you just see people growing in love and hope and joy in these fruits of the spirit. Um, and that, I think, can so easily be lost with busyness and noise. Mm. Like we just get so busy and trying to build this thing. And, and when everything's shut down and you look at where your people are. So if you're a ministry leader listening to this, I really want you to ask yourself, have you been, Ephesians 4.12, equipping your people? Have you been shepherding the flock of God among you? Have you been helping them? grow in Christ likeness and, and equipping them to be uh, ministering the word to one another and being salt and light in their community, because that is what the church is supposed to be making about making disciples. Yeah. And I feel like 
similar to what you were saying, Matt, we have this opportunity right now to almost recalibrate and ask ourselves hard questions. Are we doing this? You know, are are we equipping our people for the work that God has called them to? Um, Or are they flourishing in their faith and their identity in Christ? And if not, when all of this gets back to where we can meet, we can gather and, you know, the temptation, like what you're saying, to almost go back to these golden calves in a lot of ways. You know, what is essential? What is a church? What is the mission of the church? And how do we lead churches to make disciples that will yeah. radically change the world in their context, doing the work of the ministry? And I love the fact you said you're a pastor to pastors. I mean, one of the things that pastors are supposed to be is we, we primarily are equippers and leaders and shepherds so that our members who are school teachers and college students and even high school students and, you know, uh, in their context of their families, their neighborhoods, they can go and be salt and light. They can go and be followers of Christ and be the hands and feet of Jesus in those contexts. And it's not about building our kingdom. It's about spreading the kingdom of God in all of these places where God's kids are. Yeah. That's so good, man. That's so good. Yeah, you, you said the word idol. And, and that's so important that we understand. I think it was Piper that said our hearts are idol factories, you know? Um, but, but it, it yeah, I was uh, I was at a conference uh, uh, before all this stuff hit, and it was a group of church planners. And y- y- you know, gr- where how I grew up in the church, the the number one idol, which you said a little bit earlier, was your seating capacity. How 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 many pe- how big was your church? All those kinds of things. Well, I- I'll tell you the new idol in church planning: it's multiplication, and it, it, and and we've taken a good thing and we made it an idol or baptisms or whatever it might be. And those are good things, man. We, we want to start churches, you know, um, through, through God's grace. I mean, but, but you, you can, you mentioned burning out earlier. You can burn out, man, just trying to work and build and do those kinds of things. If it's not, if you're not being careful, you know, uh, uh, why you're doing what you're doing. And it's just so, so important because, you you know, you might be listening to this in your church plan and you're like, yeah, those big churches, they have these idols of how big their buildings are and this or that or whatever it may be. Um, You know, multiplication is good. Uh, I I, I praise God. I I, I pride myself in being a son of God that has a heart and a passion for multiplication and the pouring into multipliers and helping teach guys how to multiply their churches. but again, you got to keep going back to who we are in Christ. Our identity is not in how many churches we can start or, or whatever it might be. It's in Jesus. So that's important. Amen. Amen. Uh, I think that, um, I love what you said earlier, Matt, about not pouring new wine and old wine skins. I think that's, you know, kind of a great way to summarize, you know, what we've been talking about, um, that, you know, I, I hope and pray that, you know, those, of uh, you who are listening, if you're a pastor, church planner, church leader, that, 
uh, or, or even if you're not a, a church planter or church leader, you know, maybe you're uh, just a Christian and that happens to love church planting and missions and listens to our podcast and uh, like, don't let this opportunity that COVID has presented pass you by either. Uh, you know, I think all of us can, you know, get wrapped up in, you know, uh, busyness and trying to do things for God. And uh, I think this is, you know, if there's one thing that I think all of us hope for you and pray for you, it's that you will uh, see that like the most God glorifying productive thing you could do is spend time with him and abide in him. And, um, and, and ironically what will happen, I think when we do that, when we stop trying to do things for God is that we'll actually see our ministries and our lives bear way more fruit than they ever did before. Uh, it might, and my, Matt, to your point, it might not be fruit in the world's eyes. We might, you know, like people aren't going to look at us as quote unquote success stories and we're not going to necessarily be, you know, celebrated or what have you, but that's not the point. I mean, that's not why we do this. Uh, we do this so that Jesus is celebrated and Jesus is made great. And, you know, I mean, it's throughout the, the gospels, you know, like one of the things that you see Jesus emphasize over and over and over to the disciples, you were talking earlier about, about how they always misunderstood. Like one of the things, the big things that they misun they kept misunderstanding is like Jesus had to keep telling them like, no, to enter the kingdom, you must become like a little child, right? No, to, if anyone wants to be great among you, he must become your servant. Like, and they just, they, they had such a hard time grasping that concept that no, no, in the kingdom of God, you know, it's like a mustard seed, right? It's like, it's, it's not bigger. It's not greater. It's not grander. It's not faster. Like that's not how the kingdom of God operates. Um, it's oftentimes almost imperceptible and it's not significant enough for the world to even give it a passing glance. Like they're like, it's insignificant. And they're like, are we okay with being insignificant? Uh, I think that's a big question that we need to consider. Yeah. I, 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 I think, uh, I've said this a bunch of times, you know, but I think Christian celebrity is probably a stench in the nostrils of God. Mm. Um, I, I just, I, I, I think that we're so impressed with certain people and, and, um, yeah, and, and, and whoever it might be, yep. but, but, but I, but I think that at the end of the day, um, yeah, we, we better make sure that, you know, that we're doing things for the right reasons. And, and that question of, significance. I think every person, I think you're a liar. If you say, I don't want my life to count, you know, um, the question is, and I think every young, I think every young church leader that I've ever mentored, counseled, met with coached as a church planner, whatever, every young church leader, including myself, you, you go through that phase of, well, I want to do this. I want to accomplish something. I want to, you, I want to accomplish something big. And, and then the, the, the longer you're, you, you serve at the feet of Christ, you, you realize there is nothing bigger, whether you pastor a church of 10 or 10,000 or whatever, we're just called to be servants. And I, I think all of the things that we've allowed to, drift into the church and, you know, the pastor is CEO or the, the pastor is this dynamic speaker. And, you know, it comes out of his office to the pulpit and never really in and around the people and all those kinds of things. It's just all very problematic. And, um, you just have to be very careful 
um, with, with how you do that. Hey, I just want to share this verse, Jared and and, and Logan. It just really is on my heart. Uh, It's John 16, seven. And, um, Jesus is talking to disciples. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And, um, I think sometimes as Baptists, we, we, it's like father, son, and Holy Bible. And when we have these conversations, you know, man, I, I, I'm passionate about the word of God. Every, every heretical thing going on in our society today starts with a, uh, with a thumbed nose up at the word of God and the authority of the word of God is being challenged like no other time in many ways, um, in our society and ways in the West. But, um, I think if we're not careful, we can have these conversations and we won't, we won't really understand what Jesus is saying in this verse. He's, he's telling, think about this. This, this blew my mind a, a, a few years ago. I was reading this passage in my quiet time. Jesus is telling the disciples, that after being with them physically for three years, it's going to be more advantageous to them that he go away so that he can send the Holy Ghost. Mm. I mean, that is that is insane when you think about that, because who amongst us wouldn't say, I want to be with Jesus. I want to see him. You. I want to I want to see his physical ministry. Yet Jesus is saying it's actually better for you that I leave so that I can send the helper. And, and I. I love how Jesus references the Holy Spirit as the helper. And so we don't do these things in our own power. We don't do these things in our own strength. The, the helper, the Holy Spirit fills us and anoints us and inspires and leads and does all those kinds of things. So I just want to share that because I, I, I don't ever want to discourage church planners. You know, we, we talk and say, we got to stop being this way. We got to start being that way. Well, in your flesh, you can't stop doing anything you know, as a, as a Christian, um, you, you need a supernatural experience. You need a supernatural, uh, anointing of, of the Holy spirit to do that in your life. Amen. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. Kind of a good, good one to end on. I think too, we're, um, running up against uh, time and I'm sure we could continue to talk about this and many other things for a lot longer, but, uh, man, we really appreciate you, Matt, jumping on, uh, with us today and, and just talking and catching up and it's good to, good to hear from you and good to have you back in the trenches. And, uh, man, we're just grateful for you. And every time I know every time I talk with you, I always am challenged and, and encouraged and convicted. And I think that that's because uh, you do what you were just exhorting all of us to do here on this podcast episode is you you walk with God you you abide in Christ you spend time with the Lord and and one of the things is is that you can tell when you're around somebody whether or not they walk with God or not um, and pastors and church planners your people can tell whether or not you've been with God and mm-hmm. the most important thing you can do is be with God and other Christians will uh, find, well, that's the most, probably the most power. If you want your people, if you're frustrated that they're not really taking their faith seriously, or they're not making disciples and stuff like that, one of the best things you can do is walk with God. And when they're around you, just the very fact that they're around you and they hear how you talk and they see what you do and they see how you love, it will convict them and drive them to want to press into Jesus more, uh, just Mm. by being around you. Because like Matt was saying, we're walking by in the Holy spirit, we're filled with the spirit. So, they're encountering Christ through us. Um, but mm. when we're all busy trying to create new programs and do this and that and, you know, outreach and all this stuff, right. And we kind of, uh, 
yeah, we're just filling our time and all of our waking moments with being busy like that, then I think we're going to be missing that component. So it's mm. good. Well, guys want to thank you so much for listening to another episode of in the trenches. We're going to be back next Monday, uh, with another episode. In the meantime, you can head over to our website, www.getinthetrenches.com and you can find links to all of our other episodes and, uh, blog posts that I have very inconsistently been posting. Logan's been much, much better about writing consistent posts than I have. And so go, uh, go on there and you can check that content out, uh, and make sure that you, uh, uh, follow in the trenches on your, your favorite podcast uh, streaming platform. So Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating, please. Uh, and that'll help get this podcast into the hands of more church planters. So, all right, guys, have a great rest of your week. We'll be back next Monday. Until then, go out there and get in those trenches. 